get that big one, <laughs> big spotlight. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. <laughs> wow, a lot of exciting things yeah. so far today, isn't yeah. there? Mm -hmm. SpaceX. Hmm. We could call you Pajax. <laughs> Pajax? Uh huh. If you had your own space program. Well, what about Pajax? It's too hard. <laughs> too hard to say. That's exciting. So space suits. Wow. Because we need atmosphere. You know, we are so used to the pressure of all this air going from us clear up into space, pushing down on us like mm -hmm. a big reservoir of water. It's air that if we didn't have that pressure, we wouldn't do so well, would we? So we work under pressure all the time. I do. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. I'm here. So we promised that this time we were going to talk about atmospheric pressure. Mm -hmm. And the best way to talk about that is probably to do some demonstrations. Yes. Don't you think so? All right. So, unfortunately, I brought some stuff. These are some sponge balls in a plastic bag. And I want you to watch me flip it over. Whoa, look at that. Not bad, huh? Come <laughs> right. uh, ball. Uh, uh. Little ball. There we go. I got a ball here, ball here. And this is a place where we can hook this pump. Okay. okay? Mm -hmm. So I'm just gonna <clears throat> just gonna hook it up here. Let me hold it. Mm-hmm. Seems like I cross threaded it. Do you know what that is? Mm-hmm. It's when you don't get the it's thread straight. It's not mm -hmm. a good thing. There. I got the pump hooked up. I'll turn this around so we can see the little balls. Girls seem to do that a lot. Turn upside down? <laughs> cross thread. Oh, cross thread, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the guys. All right. So now, if I use this pump to pull the air out of this bag, and it's got a little check valve, so it'll let the air come out, but won't let it go back in. So I'm actually going to pump all the air out and make a vacuum in here. There'll be no air inside the bag. At that point in time, the incredible pressure of the atmosphere will push down on this bag and these balls. We'll smash them. Yeah, should we try it? <laughs> okay, should I run the pump? Uh-huh. Good idea. Good pump. Idea. <laughs> pump. See, if you look, it's starting to pump. Oh, you I can see, see that. Uh -huh. It's getting pumpy. <laughs> look at that. Now we're getting to the point that the balls are starting to feel the pressure of the atmosphere coming down. Some days are like that, mm. aren't they? Poor so balls. Mm. Oh. Poor little balls. Can you see how messed up they are? <laughs> so they're all squished. And, and what happened is this bag has the atmosphere pushing down on it. It had some air pushing up because the air pressure was going into the bag. If I were to open it back up, <laughs> pull it back just a little bit here, and break the silt, then notice the air came back in and the balls. Inflated. No balls were injured in the filming of the sequence. <laughs> See? They're fine. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. So. 
So far, we've done nothing. <laughs> okay. Let's try well, it again that. and What's see if we can focus that? in. This is a little container. It's got a spongy ball. You could use yours. Okay. Be okay. Yeah, whatever ball you choose. We're going to put it in there. Here's a little oh. whoop, lid oh, with oh, a oh. seal. And there she goes. Time out. Time out. Time out. Come She's in. back. Okay. <laughs> it's nice to come back. Okay. Uh. Yeah, thank you. For helping there. Okay. This is my little silicone sill I put around there. Okay. okay, so this is a little pressure container, and I've rigged up my pump so it'll fit on here so I can pull a vacuum here. As I pull all of the air out of this container, what's going to happen to the ball? Well, it should be become smaller. Should become smashed, right? <laughs> yeah. Here we go. So pump, pump. It's a good vacuum. It's it didn't get working. smaller. Mm -mm. How come? There's too much air in there. There's too much air. There's no air. It's a vacuum. But the atmosphere can't push down on it. The atmosphere is pushing down on the lid. Oh, yes. Oh, wasn't that tricky? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, it was. So now we're starting to understand atmospheric pressure. It's pushing down on top here. And if you look, this is all caved in because it's been sucked down. If I pull up the little plug here, you'll hear the air go back in, right? And it's still. Did you just make fine. that sound with your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> or was it really gone? <laughs> well, that's all the science we have time for tonight. Okay. So, a lot of people didn't. would say, you know, it'll go flat just like it did in the bag. But in the bag, we took the air out, mm -hmm. but the atmospheric pressure was pushing down on it. Right? Yes, I learned that. Now, <laughs> you might say, well, what happened to that plastic bag? Oh, I would. <laughs> it's well. way over there. <laughs> that was a pretty good throw. <laughs> that was a strong Came arm back. right there. <laughs> Came back. The thing about a plastic bag is that it's plastic. And so the air is pushing down on it, but there's other air going in here pushing up. So it's just... But when we take all the air out, it flattens it right down, doesn't it? It does. Now, this reminds me of one of my first inventions. Seriously. When I became very interested in converting the world's first hydrogen car okay. in high school, I needed to have a way of mixing hydrogen and air in the perfect ratio so it would burn well. So I had to make a thing called a carburetor. A carburetor is a device that goes on an engine that mixes fuel and air in just the right ratio so they burn properly. So I invented this little carburetor that had a rubber stopper and a big flask. And I put two different sizes of tubes in so the ratio of the sizes was exactly the ratio I needed for the correct mixture. And then I brought air in one, hydrogen in the other. But for it to work, the air and the hydrogen had to both be at atmospheric pressure. Well, air was atmospheric pressure because it is air. But the hydrogen was in a tank and it was high pressure. So I needed a way to change the hydrogen pressure to atmospheric pressure. So I took a plastic bag and I stuck a tube into the bag and wrapped it with string and tied it. And then I turned on the hydrogen so the bag started to fill. And when it was half full, 
I knew that the pressure of the hydrogen inside the bag was the same as the outside air, because the air was pushing down on it. <laughs> You're so smart. And then I had a tube coming out to my carburetor, and all I needed was my assistant, my younger brother, to keep the valve adjusted so the bag was always half full, and that meant it was always atmospheric pressure. Unfortunately, that experiment did not come out well, so we will not say much more about it right now. <laughs> okay, But atmospheric pressure then is pushing down, and if the bag has a vacuum inside, well, then it just flattens it right out. And if there's a ball or something in there, it gets, gets mashed by the pressure. And for every square inch on this ball, when there's a vacuum, the pressure of the atmosphere is 14.6 pounds. Every so it's pretty inch. heavy. Every square oh. inch, 14 pounds per square inch. So it's a pretty powerful thing. Now here, the pressure's all pushing down on the lid, so the ball's just down there in the vacuum doing whatever it wants. Do you get it? Mm hmm Okay. It's kind of like me. I don't get it. <laughs> no. All right. So we're going to go into overtime. We're going to go into overtime and get into more advanced things. I will run the button. <laughs> I know how to run it now. This is, this is an R button. Okay. So okay. we're going to get into the more advanced aspects of air pressure because actually this gets a lot more interesting. Okay. But in order to do so, we can't use this little hand balloon pump, even though I, I think I did pretty good with this, didn't I? You did. Yeah. But what we need is we need a big electric vacuum pump. You have one of those? No. But in Area 51, we do have a vacuum pump. Now, some of you just joined us for the first time tonight, so I'll tell you that Area 51 is a place that's called Area 51 because the version of me that runs that laboratory is the 51st android. Some of the earlier androids didn't turn out so well. Yeah, but uh, he runs this laboratory and he can do experiments for us there so that we can learn about atmospheric pressure. Okay? okay? So, Instead of using a plastic bag in the laboratory, we use a still container with a thick plexiglass lid that you can see through and you can see what's going on. And, and we also have a pressure gauge. A pressure gauge is like a clock with a needle that tells you how much vacuum there is. And when I say how much vacuum there is, what I really mean is you say how little atmospheric pressure there is because the vacuum pulls it down to almost zero pressure. Okay. okay. And with a vacuum pump, we can take the pressure much lower than I can do with this. I didn't realize that the vacuum and that is, has to do with atmospheric pressure, like the way you're explaining it. Well, where there is, is no atmosphere, it's yeah, a vacuum. Yeah. Space is a vacuum. Yeah. Here's an interesting question. If, if you can imagine this still kettle, uh -huh with a lid on it made out of plexiglass, we'd look in it, and a gauge, and a line hooked up to a vacuum pump, and I turn on the pump, <laughs> and it starts running, it pulls all the air out of there. Let's suppose that before I put the lid on, I got my cell phone out, and I started playing music on my cell phone. I put it inside there, put on the lid, 
and I could hear it kind of muffled through the, through the container. But as I pulled the air out, it gets softer and softer until you can't hear it at all. Because sound has to have airwaves to make it travel. When there's no airwaves, it's playing. It's got a little speaker down there vibrating, but it's nothing for it to push against, so you can't hear it. You let the air back in, and all of a sudden, you can hear it. It's pretty neat. So, moral of the story is, do not shout in outer space. That's right, nobody will be able to hear you. Unless you have your spacesuit on Mm -hmm. with pressure. Also, another thing that makes it real hard, when you're breathing non-air, like vacuum, and then you try to talk, non-air comes out, and your vocal cords don't vibrate, so there's no noise. So but it doesn't matter, like, because oh. even if there was noise, it wouldn't get propagated. <laughs> so we're designed specifically for this planet. No, 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 that is not true. No? This planet was designed specifically for us. You're right, that's what I meant it to say. It has all of these new capabilities. <laughs> it must be, because it is so perfect. But what I'd like to do, if it's okay, is I'd like to take you over to Area 51. Now, just a a word of warning before we get there. Um, You know what an android is? That's like a a very handsome-looking robot. (laughs) Okay, it's a robot, (laughs) and and you know you do everything you can to make it as lifelike as possible, but some of the personality quirks don't come out right. So be patient. Work. Okay. You, you need to work with this little android because, you know, he's, he's doing absolutely the best he can. So I'd like to take you over to Area 51, and I'd like to have you meet R51. Here okay. he is. Hi there, R51. How you doing? Hello. I'm fine. Okay, we're learning about atmospheric pressure. Can you do a demonstration with a marshmallow? Of course, I can do that. I call this experiment the frog and the marshmallow. Frog. What, what, what is that? No. Is that Peugeot? No. You kind of got a thing for Peugeot, don't Come you? Come on up here and I'll show you the experiment. All right, go ahead, show us the experiment. So here's okay. the vacuum chamber. Here, I have the little froggy frog and the marshmallow. And here, I have a vacuum chamber. I'm going to take the lid off. And this is my nice little stand. I'm going to put the marshmallow on top of the stand. And right next to it here, I'm going to put the little froggy so you can compare its size. Perfect. Now I'm going to put the lid back on the vacuum chamber. Perfect. Now watch closely what happens when I start to pump all of the air out of this container. I think you're in for a big surprise. Let me tell you what to expect. (laughs) The marshmallow is full of little bubbles. And so as the air pressure stops pushing on the marshmallow, those little bubbles are gonna push out. And if you watch carefully, my hypothesis is that the marshmallow will start to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. 
And as you watch the needle on the vacuum, and the, and the vacuum gets stronger and stronger, pretty soon all of the gas is going to come out of the marshmallow. Then it's going to start to shrink back down to its normal size. But then when I'm all through, and the marshmallow's the normal size inside this vacuum, then I'm gonna open the valve and I'm gonna let the air pressure rush back in. And without those little bubbles pushing out on the marshmallow, the air pressure is going to mash it. And it's gonna make it as small as the frog. Now watch, here we go. <laughs> The growing marshmallow. Now it's full size and it's starting to lose all the little bubbles inside, so it's going to start shrinking back down until mm -hmm. it gets back down to normal size. Mm -hmm. But all the little gas bubbles have gone out of the marshmallow. Now we start letting the air in. Watch it. Now the air is pushing down on it. Pushing, pushing, <laughs> pushing. Oh, look at that. That is one sick marshmallow. <laughs> Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that amazing? Thank you very Back much. Back to you, R. All right. So that's why we go over to the laboratory because we love doing that to marshmallows. <laughs> Excuse me, just a minute, question? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to follow, follow everything with that 51 guy. <laughs> well, you see, there was only one R. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it's the original. And so, yeah, and so you know, da, 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 and then they decided to make another one. It didn't work out so good. <laughs> then another and another and another and another. Each one got a little better, except seven, I think, got worse, actually. But when we got up to 51, we were doing pretty good, and now he runs this little laboratory, and since he's the 51st R, we call him R51. Uh-huh. What was he wearing under his lab jacket? So, moving on. <laughs> Moving on, mm -hmm. <laughs> did, did, did we get to tell them about mm -hmm. this wonderful poster? Yeah, so it was uh, just two weeks ago, I said anyone that would like to get one of these brand new Science Live posters, oh, look at that, if you will send me a message, we'll send it to you, and I said the first 100 people that message mm -hmm. me would get one, well, just like that. We got over 300 requests. So I'm sending out 300 of these posters, except some of you have been contacted to find out your mailing address. And if you don't give it to me, I won't mail it. <laughs> it's a little difficult, isn't it? Well, it isn't that I can't. It's just you won't. It's the principle of the oh. thing. <laughs> so anyway, here they are. And you notice this is Thomas Edison, who was the mentor of Bill Lear, uh -huh. who was my mentor. And here in the background, is anonymous. Actually, can you see that part, the background? I was mentored by you. So if I go get a pen, will you sign it for me? Uh, when you get back, I may be gone. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> sure. Anyway, 
So we're talking about atmospheric pressure, and I know that everybody is feeling a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. So can we continue? A bit? Yes. But what did you think about the little frog and the marshmallow? That was, that was a that very was good pretty neat, wasn't yeah. it? Some of you didn't think it would get big when we made a vacuum. It didn't make, yeah. But when they make marshmallow, it's got all those little bubbles in there. Uh, some of you like bread, and when we make bread, we mix up the dough, and then we put yeast in it. Mm -hmm. And the yeast makes little CO, carbon dioxide bubbles, which makes it light and fluffy. And marshmallows kind of do the same thing, only not with CO, too. And so when we make a vacuum, all that gas comes out. And so it gets bigger. And then as the gas escapes, then it starts going back to its natural size. But now all those bubbles are gone. So when we put the air pressure back on, it gets crushed into that little thing. That was pretty neat, wasn't it? That was really it? neat, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought I like that, that was pretty cool. But there are things you can do with atmospheric pressure that are even more astounding. In fact, uh, something that I think would surprise a lot of people, did you know that you can boil water? Me, personally? <laughs> yeah. You can? Okay. Yeah. If you heat water up to 212 degrees, it boils. Mm -hmm. It's called the boiling point, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a little more complicated than that. It's 212 degrees at sea level. But if you take your water and hike up to the top of a tall mountain, there, you're so high up that there's less air pushing down on you, so there's less barometric atmospheric pressure, and so the water boils at a lower temperature. How come? Remember, water are molecules floating around in liquid form, and when they get hot enough, some of those molecules escape out of the liquid into water vapor or gaseous form. And how hard the air pushes down on the water determines what temperature it takes to make it boil. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So on a High pressure day, water is going to boil at a different temperature than on a low pressure day. And if you take it way up a mountain where the air pressure is lower, it will boil at a lower temperature because there's less pressure pushing down. Now, here's the question. So you can boil water below 212. Has anybody ever uh, seen a pressure cooker? A pressure cooker is a big pot you put on the stove, and sometimes people put bottles in that they want to can with, and they want to kill all the bacteria. But 212 degrees isn't always quite hot enough to kill the bacteria. And so that's why we have a pressure cooker. And the pressure cooker has a little place where steam comes out. You put water in the bottom, heat it up, steam starts coming out, and then you put that weight over the opening, mm -hmm. and it blocks off the steam. And since the steam can't get out, the pressure gets higher and higher until finally there's enough pressure to lift the weight. And the weight is a very precise weight for that particular pan. And so that raises the temperature above 212 and gets it hot enough to sterilize the food. So that's called pressure cooking. And it just takes a little pressure to get it to boil at a higher temperature. If you go into a hospital and they're going to prepare instruments for surgery, they put them in an autoclave. 
That's a steam sterilizer, but the steam has to be hotter than 212, so it's a container that closes and you can then pressurize it so the steam will get hotter. What I'm wondering about, what if you put it in R51's container and you pull out some of the air and make it a vacuum, how low of a temperature can you get the water to boil? Do you think you could do it at 210 or maybe 205? Maybe we can set a world record and get water to boil at 200 degrees Fahrenheit. How many of you think we could do that? Okay. A world record. What about 199? That would be a world record, wouldn't it? Uh To think that you could get water that's only 199 degrees to boil, that would be amazing just by putting it in the vacuum. Mm -hmm. Is anyone noticing that she's not very impressed? Yeah, we. We should have rehearsed this. <laughs> we should have. Can you, Tell me what I can should you give be. us just a quick timeout. <laughs> now, when I say this, oh wow, that'd oh, be great. Okay. So, how many think we could do that? I do. Oh wow, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how did it go down again? <laughs> I think you can do that. I am definitely operating <laughs> under pressure today. Okay. Well, I wasn't sure how low of a temperature we could get water to boil. So I did a science fair project to find out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I asked R51 if he could put some warm water inside that vacuum chamber and then put a thermometer probe in so we could see how hot it was. Mm-hmm. So we could watch the temperature and then pull a vacuum, and as the vacuum develops, I wanted to see if it would still boil. Now, I know you can make water boil a lot cooler than 199 degrees, but what if it was only 190 degrees or 175? Mm-hmm. That'd be amazing. That gets ifty. Mm-hmm. What, I would, what would really impress me would be if we could get the water to boil at just 150 degrees. Most people have their water heaters in their home, you know, you fill your bathtub with or something. We have those set right around 130, 135 degrees. What if you get water to boil just coming out of the tap like that? Well, that would be impressive. That'd be, mm-hmm. that'd be really amazing. It would. And what if, what if you could make it boil at 120? That would be impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're into the <laughs> realm of impossibility. Okay. And I guess the real crazy thing would be, what if you get it to boil at 100 degrees? Do you know what 100 degrees is? That's the temperature of the human body. Yeah. The human body, unless you have a fever, is 98.7 degrees. 100 degrees. What if you get water to boil at body temperature? Plain mm-hmm. old water. That would be shocking, wouldn't it? That would it? be shocking. Mm-hmm. I think we should call up R51 and ask him to put some 100-degree water in his thing, see if we can make it boil. Okay. I'm going to put on my R glasses so that he'll be more comfortable. <laughs> okay. Since he's copying. Okay. Uh, hello, R51, are you there? Boiling water. Yeah, can you make water boil at 100 degrees? 
That's the temperature of the human body. <laughs> I'm not sure, R1, if we can make boiling water at 100 degrees, but we can try it. Let's try If it. you think it can be done, well, then you came way before me. Well, I don't know. <laughs> so here's how we'll do it. <laughs> I've got a nice beaker of water, and it's warmed up to body temperature, it's just over 100 degrees. So I'm going to open up the vacuum chamber and then I'm going to put this water inside it. This is real like research. That. It is. Okay. I also have our thermocouple with the probe so we can see exactly how warm that water is. So I'm gonna also put the thermometer inside the vacuum and I will fish this thermocouple probe down inside the water just like that. Now put the lid back on and then I'm going to let you look inside and I'll turn on the vacuum pump. You'll be able to see the temperature is just a tiny bit over 100 degrees and watch the meter as the vacuum gets stronger and stronger. It takes all the air pressure off the water. Now let's see what happens. Now look deep inside, here we go. So there it is. Can you see the beaker? Mm -hmm. I can see the bolt. I mean the temperature is 100 degrees. Mm -hmm. And you can see the gauge going down as the vacuum is getting stronger, but it's not boiling, is it? Okay, well, we tried. Now almost all of the air is gone. Just a teeny bit oh, left. What is it doing? It's boiling. <laughs> you did it. We did it. <laughs> you and our Look, it's boiling. Oh, it is. Look it is that. boiling at 100 degrees, friends. That's impressive. Okay, I'm impressed now. That's neat. Climate. That is so amazing. We're boiling water at skin temperature. R1, you're amazing. This is the most excitement we've ever had in Area 50. What's that under your shirt? Nothing. What are you hiding? Under my lab coat? Yes. It's my very handsome body. All oh, my God. Stop it. Just show us what's under your coat. I don't think you're being very social. <laughs> you really like Peugeot Monet, don't you? Okay. I, I kind of like R51. <laughs> I kind of like him. <laughs> I do like you too, but I, I thought like he's you. got a few quirks. <laughs> But think about what just happened. I can't. <laughs> it's gone. We just boiled water in your hand. If you put water in your hand and then get inside a vacuum, better have one of those spaces. We'd be all sucked out. It would boil at body temperature. And that starts telling you something very, very interesting about chemistry, about mm -hmm. water, about vacuums, about atmospheric pressure, 
And science is where you take all of these very unique and interesting things that happen all around us and you quantify them. You hook them up with mathematics and formulas so that you can start designing and making things that will do what you want them to do. Like launching your very own Tesla in the outer space. Yeah, he just, because he could. Well, he probably figured they needed it on Mars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he probably did. Well, I think that uh, science is a lot of fun. And you know, we could have made this a science fair project and said, how cold of water temperature can you make boil with a vacuum? And then we could have done experiments like this and could have found out how low we could go. And we were pretty near a strong vacuum there when that boiled. We, we need to be just about 100 degrees to get it to boil. But science fairs are ways where you learn to use these tools of discovery, these tools of science. And of course, if you really want to do something great with science, then you need to learn the language of science, which is mathematics. And you have to learn science, and you have to learn to be diligent, to study, and to keep a notebook, and to keep records, and to do all these different things. But the amazing thing is, you can. You can. You can learn this. I was really, really inspired today by this very special young man that Joshua featured. Uh, here's, here's a fellow that's doing some amazing things. And uh, he's, he's finding out he can. And I, uh, I think that's one of the greatest blessings of Acellus is it's helping people that maybe didn't think they were the brightest light on the block mm -hmm. find out, I can, I can. Some people learn math so easy, they learn science so easy, but other people really struggle at it. One of the most famous quotes of Albert Einstein, the brilliant, brilliant physicist that changed our whole philosophy on science, is he said, if you struggle with mathematics, don't worry. You don't struggle as bad as I did. He said he had a hard time learning math. And yet his mind was so creative. Sometimes the minds that have to work harder to learn Math and these formulas are the most creative, and they're going to come up with the most wonderful, amazing ideas. Um, Celis is magical, but all we can do is deliver it to you, and then you have to decide if you're going to use it to empower yourselves. You, you've got a mission to do in this life, and Celis is a tool to help you achieve it. So dog on it. Study hard, <laughs> hard, hard. It'll be worth it. Yeah. And I'll do it with you after we go dark. <laughs> Thank you. See you next time.